Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's conversation is inspired by the fire at Notre Dame yesterday. Grab a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles or crochet hooks and join us. I'm Pastor Amanda Zenzelo, and I serve at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. So that fire that happened yeah. affected me way more than I ever would have guessed it would have. You've been there. I've been there. How many I've been times? there twice. Okay. And we went looking back at old pictures mm. and it's really a phenomenal space. And what most shocks me about this is it's not even my favorite church in Paris. Really? <laughs> and still seeing that spire fall. Just brings me to tears every single time. Yeah. Is there any way to articulate what it is about that image that particularly hits you in the gut? Do you know? Or is it just such a visceral reaction you don't even know how to explain it? Well, there is something about the Notre Dame that is Paris to me in many Mm. ways. And I have a very, very large soft spot for Paris. As much as the Eiffel Tower or more so? Yeah, I mean, it's right up there. It actually has more visitors that come visit it than the Eiffel Tower does. And to see something that has been a part of that city for centuries, Mm -hmm. that you think, what's going to happen? There's no war going on. There's no bombing happening. It stood both world wars. Then to have something catastrophic go wrong and it's gone, or at least could be gone. Yeah. It was shocking to me, and I think it's knowing that it has such longevity and it can still go in the blink of an eye. It's eye-opening. It was heartbreaking. A piece of mortality. Really. Immortality, really, because it has stood for so long Uh for so many people, and then the possibility of it being gone. Oh, so sad. I saw a lot of folks who were very concerned about the stained glass windows. Oh, yes. And who had seen images of windows being blown out and had assumed that that was the rose windows. Mm-hmm. And the hurt and the devastation of losing those was more than they knew how to really articulate. That even wasn't it for me because I know they're not the original windows. Oh, right, because they were later construction. Well, and through time, I mean, come on, glass is pretty fragile. But they were, I think, 1290 was when these three were created. And they, for folks who haven't specifically looked for it, they survived. They did. They did. But I was watching people comment on that, and there was one comment that just caught me. And maybe it's because I'm the steward of a building Mm -hmm. that it caught me. And it was, these were almost 800 years old. How could we let this happen? And I thought, well... The same way we let anything happen to our public architecture. Exactly. We we don't participate in it. We talk in meetings about having like the blue sticky note Mm -hmm. where we want things done and we give it on a blue sticky and we say, we really want this. And we expect someone else to pick up the blue sticky and to carry it for us. Yes. And I think that as a steward of a building that has historic and some emotional attachment for people outside of our community, I get a little bit like, well... How could it get like that? It gets like that because people don't participate. Exactly. And this is not necessarily a pretty side of me. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I just want to own that. But there's this fabulous... Well, deferred maintenance is kind of human nature. It is. There's so many things in my house that I should be fixing. Totally. Totally. And and let that grow for 800 uh years. And 
you have what has happened at Notre Dame, right? You have this situation where you read about the state that it was in and how it could crumble to a touch in some places. And they were in the midst of a renovation, in the midst of trying to fix some basic things. Mm -hmm. And the wood is just dry. Yeah. And old. Yeah. So dry and so old that there isn't a tree big enough to replace it in kind. Correct. We had that trouble here Mm -hmm. on our 1950s building. Exactly. Right. It took us two and a half years to find the front posts to replace the posts on our porch because it was old growth wood and we cannot find old growth wood that thick and that tall anymore. Mm -hmm. So it took us two and a half years to decide to not go with old growth. So when you have something then that is 800 years old Uh or, you know, older... Trying to bring it up or trying to maintain it, trying to keep it, it's a hard, hard, hard thing. Mm-hmm. I look at our facility and I often wonder, you know, with all the hard work that goes into maintaining this building, I look at Westminster Prez, two blocks away from us. Uh-huh. That is a big shed. It's a big building with so much stone pointing. And they're repointing it this year, right? Uh-huh. They're doing some really good work Oh, and over they're there. in an earthquake zone, too. Which means they have to be retrofit, Mm -hmm. right? The same way that we had to go through seismic retrofitting here in the year 2000, almost 20 years ago. So these kinds of pieces, I know the burden on the congregations who worship there. And my heart breaks, yes, for the loss of the spire. My heart breaks for the congregation that worships there. Mm -hmm. Because they have borne the burden of carrying the responsibility of an international treasure. And my guess is that the assistance has been slow to come. Oh, I'm sure. Because most of the churches that I've gone in when I've been in Europe, there's no entrance fee. Of course not. It's a church. It's a church. And many of these old, old churches have not just the building itself, but like Notre Dame, it has artwork and organs and all these phenomenal things that require maintenance. Mm -hmm. And if I'm not giving an entrance fee and I'm not worshiping there regularly, where are they going to get that money, especially with the dwindling numbers that are going to churches the way we've talked about in the past couple of weeks? Absolutely. And I think that it may be different in different denominations. Sure. I can say that there might be assistance for some of these large cathedrals from some of the overarching denominations and that kind of a piece. But at the end of the day, one of the challenges that I will push back into this time of grief, which may or may not be the appropriate time to be doing this, is this pull of public ownership without public participation. Mm-hmm. So I really ran into this when I was interviewing here and I was googling central lutheran church Uh and trying to find out who they were and one of the big articles that came up about them was this article about this architectural sin that happened here because it is a building by a named architect Mm -hmm. and it is on some historic register it absolutely is i believe it's state registered it definitely is city registered okay it's published in big architectural books. It's present in some really substantial things because this particular building was one of the designs that boosted Pietro Belusky, the architect, into being very well known. He went on to become the head of architecture at MIT for quite some time. So Belusky is known as one of the great 
postmodern architects in the 50s and 60s. And this building typifies what he was starting to create at that time, one of the first ones in 1950. And the tower, which is constructed of wood, like mm-hmm. the spire of Notre Dame. Let me remind you, we're in the Pacific Northwest, which is quite damp right? most of the year. Exactly. Had dry rotted. Mm-hmm. And for safety, when it was discovered that it was only 40% solid. And That's only f- so not good. Right? Was to bring the tower down before it collapsed on anybody. Sure. And then to work to raise the funds to get the tower replaced again uh-huh. and to get the tower put back, which it has been. But again, we're now back into needing to get it painted and all the... Ongoing maintenance. Ongoing maintenance, the reinforcements and the steel beams that had to be put in to be up to modern code, but to still match the architect's design because it had to be made out of the same substance because it's a historic building. Uh huh. All of that kind of stuff. It's going to cost more than a year's salary for one of my staff members to mm-hmm. get the tower painted. And so we have this conundrum as congregations with these buildings, and I have to believe that the cathedrals run into the same conundrum. Oh, I'm sure they do. Do we maintain the public, beautiful, sacred architecture, or do we do ministry and live out the call of the gospel in our actions and words among God's people? And I know that they're both important, mm-hmm. and for many people of faith, there's becoming a stronger and stronger preference to be doing the work among God's people rather than maintaining the physical structures. Well, and I'm going to remind the listeners that you have said on more than one occasion that the church is not a building. Right. The church is the people. And there's something very powerful about the space. I mean, I cannot downplay the beauty and the sacredness of this physical location. Oh, yes. And we will put a link to what you call the sparkle hour (laughs) so people can see that as well. And there's beauty in this. And there's an incredible piece to that. But it takes more than the members of a congregation to maintain these kinds of physical structures now that we have. This goes for architectural wonders and architectural buildings across the board. Sure. If this is a sacred institution and a congregation owns the facility, they're the ones trying to make it work. They're the ones trying to keep it up. If you have a local building that you like knowing is there and it brings you peace and solace to be able to walk on their grounds or to be able to look at their stained glass or to see the religious symbol in your neighborhood, I strongly encourage you to send gifts to help them maintain it. Mm Mm-hmm. Because chances are that there is some deferred maintenance somewhere along the line that is putting that building at risk. Oh, easily. And it was interesting to me seeing some of the different solutions that the churches in Europe have come up with. For a euro, you can light a candle. Mm -hmm. That's an obvious one. They're starting to get a little more creative in their ideas. One that we saw was if you wanted the lights to be on, (laughs) you put a euro in. Oh. And they went on for a certain number of minutes, and then it went off. And you can tell who has been there a while waiting, because my husband put his euro in. All of a sudden, everybody comes scurrying out to clickety-click-click-click-click-click, (laughs) because he was the only one willing to pay at the time. Wow. Which is shocking. Now, another one is, I think it was a church in Germany where 
most of this is the honor system, except for the ones where you plunk in the coins and the lights turn on. Mm -hmm. You could pay a very nominal fee, like another euro or something, and then you could have full photographic rights. Otherwise, they would ask for no cameras. Oh, wow. Which, again, I mean, more power to you because you've got to do something to be able to keep literally the lights on. Yeah, totally. Especially for situations where people are coming to view the architecture. Yeah, specifically. They're, they're not yep. even remotely there to worship. Right. Matter of fact, there still has to be signs posted that if a worship is going on, please be respectful. Mm -hmm. Which is shocking and sad to me that it even has to be said. There's another Belusky building in San Francisco that is gorgeous and is really beautiful inside and is really, really quite spectacular to go into. And I didn't know it was a Belusky building. You know, I wasn't serving in a Belusky sure. church at the time that I took youth to see it. And we attended worship. And it was such a fascinating experience to come as an architectural voyeur mm -hmm. and then to come back for worship. There were more people there when it was open architecture time. Oh, yeah. Than during worship. Yeah. I mean, the other thing that a lot of churches will do is they will have concerts. And I really wish I had taken the time to go back to the one in Switzerland that had the most pipes of any pipe organ I've ever oh seen. Just to listen to that sucker going <laughs> in all of its glory. Next time. I guess what I'm wanting to share about this and why this comes up for me with the Notre Dame thing and why I wanted to talk about it in the podcast is this week alone, I have heard of, so the fire at Notre Dame. Yes. Over the last several weeks, there have been three historically African-American congregations in Louisiana that have been burned. Yeah. Slightly different take on those, though, is the, at least the Notre Dame, as far as they know right now. Considered an accident. Right. I'm not sure the ones right. in Louisiana were an accident. I believe that the ones in Louisiana have been found that they were not mm -hmm. by accident, right? These are houses of worship, places of prayer and sacred time. So these three parishes in Louisiana, Lutherwood, which is a local camp here in Oregon, their lodge burned to the ground on Saturday. Mm -hmm. And so the rest of the camp is fine, the cabins and the pool and the free ropes course and all of those things. But the lodge where the meals and the meetings and that kind of stuff happened burned to the ground mm -hmm. and is considered a total loss. And also there was a burning of a mosque that we know of. Fire is going into these places, into these sacred spaces and causing great pain right as we enter into Holy Week. Yeah. Really difficult. Now, for Notre Dame, there are lots of folks who are stepping forward financially. Yes. Lots of folks who are, you know, even I heard on my way in today about the Pope and the Pope's reaction and the promise of the Vatican to come in and assist financially in the rebuild. Nice. Which is fantastic. Yes. I am sure that those who have been in charge of trying to get this remodel done for Notre Dame are really grateful to finally have the Vatican stepping up and stepping in. Sure. Right? I can't imagine that it's been... Anything other than exhausting for the stewards of that cathedral in these years as they've been trying to maintain the facility, and now they'll have more help. It does not make what happened in any way good. No. Like, I don't want people to think that I'm rushing to resurrection. Like, we're in the midst of the tomb, folks. Let it be the tomb. And the same with Lutherwood, and the same with those parishes in Louisiana, and the same with the mosque. What I want to encourage is I want to encourage folks to consider if you have the capacity to give a gift, send it to Louisiana, send it to Lutherwood, 
send it to the mosque, send it wherever we see that financial gifts are not going Mm -hmm. to help rebuild these sacred spaces if they choose and want to rebuild, then don't just make it a blue sticky. Mm -hmm. If you want those kinds of places in your communities, if you want these kinds of spaces to exist, even if you are not a Christian, if you're not a person of faith and you don't care about this stuff, but you like having those spaces within your community, Uh find a way to participate. Find a way to offer a gift. Do something. Send something. And we'll make sure that there is the link to the GoFundMe that's been set up for the Louisiana parishes at least. Okay. That is linked. And we'll also put a link to the Lutherwood fundraiser on our podcast, the blog page. Sure. For those who are finding us at the centralportland.org website. You know, I don't often talk about pet peeves. I don't often talk about frustrations on the podcast. Mm-hmm. I think this is just one of them. That it's really easy to sit back and to feel self-righteous if someone else has failed to maintain something that you think is beautiful and wonderful. But if you don't have any skin in the game, that's not fair. No, it's not fair to complain about something when you haven't actually helped. Right? I understand that. And I don't mean to be shaming. I do mean to encourage participation. That's fair. And to say, this is what we get to do with each other. You don't have to. Right? There's no have to, but we get to. We get to support these kinds of places and spaces within our communities. It's the same thing with arts. If we want there to be theater in our communities, we need to support the local theater. If we want there to be local music, we need to support our local music. So if we want these beautiful sacred spaces to exist within our culture, we need to be willing to invest in them and participate in them. The falling of the spire, the potential loss of the rose windows hit us in the gut across international countries, across international boundaries. Oh, yes. And it says to me that these spaces still matter to us, even as our faith practices diminish, that there's something about these places and spaces that have stood over centuries and throughout time as places that are beautiful and reverent and holy that are worth honoring. And there's one more, one more step from this. Okay. And this is to say that many indigenous people are also reacting in anger, saying, if this is how you're feeling about Notre Dame, how do you expect us to feel when you are desecrating our religious sites? Mm, That's a fair argument. And when you're wanting to frack them or you're wanting to bring an oil pipeline through them. Sure. This is the same thing. So it's the opportunity to build empathy and to break our hearts open to hear what our indigenous neighbors have to say to us about the damage that has been done to their religious sites and to their beautiful holy grounds. So I guess this is a call. It's a call to participate. It's a call to reflect. It's a call to hear what makes you uncomfortable and what makes you feel kind of defensive And lean into that and see where we have space to grow around this topic about what is holy ground and how do we honor it and how do we keep it? Mm -hmm. And how do we best maintain it for everybody? Yeah. And even should we? You know, we can have that conversation. Should we be maintaining these places? That's a fair conversation, but we need to have it recognizing that when they fall or when they burn or when we lose them, it hurts a part of us. Mm -hmm. And so we can't just negligibly release things without recognizing the hurt that's going to come along with that. 
holy ground is tied up with a whole lot of different things. It is. And that's going to lead me to my last question for you. Notre Dame specifically, I think we're talking here. Mm -hmm. Would you restore it or would you renovate it? Were you given the choice? I have not been there. Uh Uh-huh. I've always wanted to go to Paris, but I have not been to Notre Dame. I know that it will have to be brought up to modern codes. Yes. Right. So their restoration will have to maintain, at least if their laws are anything like our laws here, it will need to maintain the original architecture but be brought up to current code, which is a very difficult process. It is. And I trust the people of that congregation to listen to the spirit and to find their way through that conversation. It's a fascinating question because it's come up in other ways. Mm -hmm. There have been a lot of churches and places I've been to in Germany specifically where it was rubble after Mm -hmm. the war. Mm -hmm. But until you see the pictures of the rubble, what you're looking at is the completely rebuilt version. Yeah. I have no idea. I don't have any sort of training to know how much renovation went on versus just rebuilding it. Right. But it's happening more than you think, and it's something that we definitely should do knowingly and... With great intention. Exactly. Yeah. And I think I really want that kind of a question to be answered by the people who worship there on a weekly basis. It's not that... Well, yeah, they do own it a little more than we do. They really do. (laughs) They really do. And that's okay. I pray that the community can gather around that fellowship and offer the support that is going to be needed. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to sit down with me to talk about this complex topic. I look forward to sitting down with you another week on another topic. As do I. And for the many of you out there encouraged or frustrated by this podcast, thank you for listening along. You can always contact us at podcast at centralportland.org. We would love to hear from you. Until we are back in your ears again, remember, God loves you no matter what.